0: Welcome to the Military Transition Academy's PM Pathfinder series, where Max Rogers, former enlisted Marine turned naval officer and civilian energy industry project manager extraordinaire, teams up with the former Navy enlisted and Army officer candidate Eric Doc Wright, Vesta PM's founder and best selling author, alongside Jeremy Burdick, a retired Air Force chief, aircraft mechanic, and aviator turned civilian operations chief, and process specialist for Vesta PM and the PDU University, bring you an audio video suite to help you find the path while mentoring you in the profession of project management. Along the way, you can study for your CAPM, PMP, PMIACP, Scrum Master Certifications, or just maintain your professional development units in a casual, enjoyable conversation between friends. Thanks again for coming back, Max, for another PM Pathfinder episode. And today we're really going to try to cover the suitability of a predictive plan-based approach, the organizational organizational structure, when we talk about like virtual co-location matrix, hierarchical, and then we'll talk about some of the activities and give a couple examples of activities within the project management processes and then uh, distinguish between uh, various project components. So it's a lot to cover. We're not going to hit every item on this episode. However, we can dive deeper into a couple of them. That way you've got ways to extrapolate it and compare it to other areas that we didn't cover. So uh, let's get after it. You know, we talk about identification of um, predictive plan-based approach in different organizational structures. What it makes me immediately think of is obviously there's a virtual structure structure. It's huge right now. You know what I mean? Talking about uh, post COVID people working from home, they're, they're not co-located and then the opposite is the co-location. So Let's start there, and then we'll move into a couple other things. You know, we talk about virtual, and we say, "Hey, we're me and you. We're, we're video. It's almost like being side by side." But let's talk about a little bit on the virtual side of things, and and how it could be. Is it better plan based, or is it better agile? And what's your thoughts on it?
1: Well, I I had fairly recent experience with this in 2018. I re- I was managing a project in Israel and I I was virtually not located with the rest of the project team, they were back in Houston. Uh, The benefit right up front of a predictive approach to using virtual uh, project management is the structure that's provided by a predictive model. Uh, The other side of the coin is if you wanna use an adaptive approach, then it's sort of letting people, you know, work at their own pace, doing the things they they need to do and and managing themselves, which is sort of the principle of agile. But then you're the other side of that coin is then uh, they're left. They feel they can be issues where they feel left out and they don't really feel like part of the team. So, so after evaluating all the pros and cons, I, I fall on the side that I think if you're going to do virtual, uh, Uh, participation of the project team that it's just more beneficial having a more structured plan-based predictive um, uh, approach because people know what they're getting into then. It's, uh, it's, it's easier to control the changes and, and you don't, you avoid the frustration of people not knowing what they're supposed to do next. And, and a lot of times with your virtual performing virtually means we're in different time zones. So people are working at different times. So it's not, not only that you're separated from one another, you're working different times of the day. And so I, I, I fall on the side of, of uh, virtual. It tends to be more effective if you use predicted.
0: Yeah. Amazing. I, I really like the, the idea and, and, and the story of in Israel, right? You're in, you know, Houston, central time zone, Israel time zone, you're not going to be able to necessarily work at the exact same hours. So the hours that you're not working, you don't want them waiting, right? Or or vice versa. If you've got a plan, they can be working in the background and then you just sync up and catch up based on the plan. So the plan is like the central information tower. People just kind of link back into it. So even though it's modern to be virtual, virtual, and it's modern to be agile, they don't necessarily uh, become more, uh, I guess, effective is the word I'm looking for just because it's modern, right? Like you've still got to come back to that central tower of the plan. Mm-hmm. And then with co-location, right? Now we've got a everybody in the same room. Where do you fall on that one?
1: Uh, flip a coin. It's there. It depends on... Uh, the context of the project itself and your organization's approach to how they like to, the approaches they like to take to project management, because there's there's pros and cons to each approach. Uh, once again, the predictive gives you the structure and the takes away a lot of the um, uh, unknowns, but the adaptive approach gives you flexibility, gives you speed, it gives you uh, allows your project team members to to really demonstrate what they're capable of and yet you can observe what they're doing and uh inform your opinions from a from a project leadership standpoint about who's what what the value of each team member's contribution is to the to the pro so so I think that 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 comes down to I can see it either way. I've done it either way. I've done it both ways and and to equal degrees of success.
0: Okay, yeah, great answer. I mean, obviously it depends on the organizational uh, approach to things and whether they even do agile projects. I guess if you're going to do one, if they're co-located, you've got a lot of decision makers in the room really quickly. You can move faster. So exactly. I like the idea of that. Um, and, that's, and then you're producing value quicker. If you've got everybody together. So, you know, depending on the project outcomes and and how you set it up, I think you nailed it. It's, it's a coin flip. You're going to decide the structure based on the type of project you're doing on top of, you know, obviously the structure. So exactly. Make matrix structure, you know, one of the more complex, right? You've got functional, you've got, you know, projectized. you've got a lot of different things moving left, right, up, down communication wise, uh, you know, where do you fall with that one?
1: Anytime that I discuss a matrix organization, I go back to an experience I had where I was in an organization that initially was a weak matrix organization. And then it transitioned into a strong matrix uh, organization because they they fully uh, um, accepted the fact that they were a projects-based company and that the project managers needed to have more authority than they had initially with regards and relative to the functional managers. So uh, when you talk about a matrix organization, that's a huge spectrum. So you need to uh, focus on, is this a weak matrix organization? Is it a strong matrix organization? Are we somewhere in the middle? Uh, once again, a you know, as we all know, a strong matrix organization. The project manager has a lot more influence and and authority within the organization. In a weak matrix, the functional managers have that power and they have that influence. And so, it depends on which one of those. And I think it, it's the same way with with your approach. In a strong matrix organization, of uh, if you're gonna have that that sort of organization, then take advantage of this project management uh, talent you have and use predictive uh, uh, approaches to, to projects if the context supports that. Whereas if you have a weak matrix organization, use an adaptive approach because your project manager doesn't have a lot of strength and authority and influence within the organization in the first place. So have him more, make sure you just stay within the guardrails, that the team stays within the guardrails, let them truly be a high-performing, self-governing, self-managing team, and, you know, do that. So once again, like I said, I think it's, it's where you fall in the spectrum of the matrix organizations.
0: Oh, great definition. I love it. And in fact, you know, it's like situationally aware. Yes. You have to adapt to the situation you're put in. You can't decide the organization is all of a sudden going to be a strong matrix because you're the project manager, right? Right. It's likely going to stay the way it was. And you have to work within those rules. You know, if you got a baseball bat and you walk onto a football field, it's probably not going to work out right. Okay. Not at all. <laughs> you've got you've got to work within that organization. And I love how you define the matrix structure where is the in a strong matrix, the project manager has more power. And in a week, the functional managers have more power. And in a balance, it's shared, which I would call probably the most complex because anytime there's two masters, it's really hard to uh, follow one or the other, right? Two two heads.
1: And, that, and, that, and in that situation, Jeremy, that's when it's imperative In order to be successful as a project manager, when you're in that mid matrix type organization, you must, once you get your project management plan put together and the project documents, you have to run it up the chain and get get senior management approval because of all the difficulties you're going to be faced with along the way and all the naysayers and say, you know, the ones that, that, that are pro agile, they're going to say, see, we should have done it an adaptive approach. And, uh, and the, the, the predictive guys are going to say, Oh no, you know, we should have done it the predictive way. So, so do yourself a real big favor as a project manager and make sure you have senior management buy-in to your approach to managing this project.
0: Oh, great. Great advice. Obviously. Yeah. You get your stakeholders involved, um, get them engaged and then get them behind you. You know, it's like you want them being advocates and champions for your project. You know, speaking of stakeholders, right? We've got one more structure to talk about and that's the hierarchical. So this is like the traditional military structure, You've got a commander, you know, and it just kind of everything flows down. So top down communication, uh, you know, bottom up needs to really work at feeding information to the top so that they can make decisions again from the top down. So then it's like rinse, lather, repeat.
1: Exactly. And, <laughs> and it just, that's an automatic uh, default to predictive because, you know, adaptive is not going to work. There's not enough structure. There's not enough reporting. that comes back the, 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 the individuals higher up on the hierarchical chain, are not gonna get the information that they think they need. They're not gonna have the perceived control that they perceive that they have. And so no one's gonna be happy. So I don't think that a uh, an adaptive approach uh, would work in a hierarchical organization at all.
0: Yeah, at least not for a big project that requires input from a commander level.
1: Exactly. Yeah,
0: yeah it's fine if you wanna do it in your work center. And you've got, you know, one boss that's like co-located. Right. Yeah, I I agree.
1: And that, and that, so within that, once again, it comes back to the context of what you're trying to do. Yes. If you truly are a servant leader and within your shop, you don't need a hierarchical form of leadership. You truly have a team developed. Everyone's self-organizing every it's high performing team. And it doesn't require that that uh, that amount of power at the top guy. All you all you really need to do is facilitate the you know the the, the requirements that the and the resources that the team needs, and the team functions just fine. So uh, yeah, and that and that example, yes, it works just fine.
0: Yeah, agreed. And and I guess it goes without saying that there's different hybrids of each of these structures that we we've already talked about, there can be a hierarchical co-located. There can be a hierarchical virtual. There can be a lot of different uh, grays, shades of gray in between all of these different structures that you can employ and employ them at different levels. So, you know, it takes me back to uh, when I was in Japan in the engine regional repair center. We had the overarching goal of providing engines for all of uh, PACAF. So the Pacific air forces, tons of bases, tons of engines, essentially everything would come to us and we would, we would rebuild them and then we would push them out. Uh, At that time, I got put in charge of a a section that was struggling to make, you know, quota essentially. Like Mm -hmm. you have to keep up with the assembly line as we're rebuilding these things. And so one of the first things that I did was uh, decentralized everything as far as uh, building. And I said, each one of these teams, you're independent. You do this, you do this, you do that. And you're in charge of your own work. And we're talking down to one person, right? Mm-hmm. You make Lord mounts. That's your only job. I want as many Lord mounts as you can produce. And, and I don't want to have to look at the quality. I want to just know that you are an expert and you did it well. And boy, did that make a difference. Like it just was an extreme capacity um, improvement.
1: And that, I think that's exactly the why that PMI has come to the realization that tailoring is such an important aspect of project management because no two situations are the same. No two projects are the same. No two groups of people are the same. Everything, everything is in flux. And so, you tailor take these these best practices take these processes take these tools and techniques and and all the experience and then take everything all the information you get and then you tailor what works for your specific situation
0: yeah bingo bingo couldn't say it uh, better and within within project management we've got you know all these activities and and in reality they're they're subsets of process groups And I know the new PMBOK doesn't really talk about it, but there's still the process groups um, and process guide. I think it's groups and process guide on the, it's a a standard that you can get off of PMI.org. And it still does have a lot of the, the old school initiation, you know, planning, execution, monitoring, controlling, and then closure. It's pretty much how every project rolls, the life cycle of the project regardless if it's agile or predictive. So let's shift gears and talk just a little bit about the the groupings and then some of the processes within. So we can start with initiation because that makes sense. You know, what's some of the most important activities you think during project initiation and then throw me some examples.
1: Okay. Uh, the most important part is, is to make sure that the project requirements or are are the project outcomes uh, are fully defined and accepted by everyone involved in the project, all the stakeholders. Uh, that's, this is your opportunity to gain alignment on what the purpose of the project is, what the definition of done is, um, how many of these we're going to produce to what quality. All that stuff takes place, you know, in, in and this is what we're going to do. Secondly, you identify the stakeholders. Okay, who's all involved in all this? Who's who's who does this affect? Who affects what the project team's doing? Who does the project team affect? And so, and you step, then then yeah that flows directly into establishing your communication plan so that you you keep every all the stakeholders informed of what's going on. And the the final then the outcome of the initiation process typically is the project charter. Now. You know, the PMI talks about, you know, doing feasibility studies and assess risk and business plans and and project approval and, and funding and all those things happen during the initiation phase. But it was always it's always been my experience. Those activities are typically performed prior to the project being sanctioned and ever happening. They're typically done by some type of a business development. Organization and all that information is provided to you. You're you're handed a budget. Said here, this is how much money you've got. You're you're typically handed a time frame. You're not the the activities may not be scheduled, but hey, it's got to be done. The outcome of this project has to occur in 18 months. Uh, those sort of things are sort of given to you. Uh, the other thing is that the initiation process is the fastest pace that you will probably ever endure during the life of the project because of the, the uh, anxiousness for everyone and they're excited. They want to get this thing started. Let's kick, let's go, let's go, let's go. That's, that's when as a project manager, you got to hold all the horses back and say, look guys, you know, understand that we all want to get started on this, but the first thing we got to kick this thing off properly. To start with, so you do all these processes in the initiation phase. Uh, you know, you produce your, you wind up with the project charter. You end with a kickoff meeting where I always like the technique of bringing in the project sponsor. The kickoff meeting was their meeting; they conducted it, they ran it, they explained to both the project team and others, all the other stakeholders that were interested what the purpose of the project was, what the budget was, what the schedule was, the risks that were known. They covered all those things in their presentation. And then at the end, they introduced the project manager. And here's the guy that's going to make all this happen. He's the one that's accountable for it. And so there you go. So then then that was a a milestone that signified the completion of the initiation stage. And you were in the process and you're good to go
0: yeah well well said and i think it's important to note that uh, i agree it's most of the things that pmi said are already done like somebody's created the business case and in that business case they've created hey this will be you know the benefits management plan and those those business documents will have already been reviewed agreed upon at the c suite level before they expend any resources they've got some kind of a plan That gives them a return on investment, a return on their time, you know, and then they say, okay, we agree, we're going to go forward with this. And you're right. I mean, think about the the Ohio principle, like a stakeholder at the C-suite level only wants to handle it once. So they just want to say, go. And they want it to be a like a missile that's just fired off into space. And it's going to it's gonna obviously hit what it needs to hit. Well, that's not really how it works. Somebody has to wrestle that missile and make sure it's going in the right direction. Uh, and I love the analogy of holding back all the horses, right? You, everybody was super engaged day one. But how do you keep them engaged throughout the entire project is by reality, right? So, so it's like a reality check.
1: And the danger is everyone has their own vision and their own idea about how to plan and execute this project. So the whole purpose of this initiation phase is to get everybody aligned, get everybody focused on the same vision. And that, that, that all falls under what I consider one of the most prime requirements for an effective project manager is you're the person that has to ensure that everyone stays focused on the the end result, on the the project requirements, and you you have to manage the fact that these smart, high-performing team members are gonna come to you with all these great ideas. And you have to keep them focused on what the requirements are of the project. not saying that you dismiss things that are outside the project, you should consider them and you bring it in within your change management plan. But you, your job is to get what you were tasked to do accomplished within the schedule and within the budget, dealing with the known and unknown risk and to the acceptable quality levels and delivered to a satisfied customer. That's your job as the project manager.
0: Yeah, well, well said. I think that's great. Yeah. Putting everybody on the same sheet of music, right? That's, that's the charter. Exactly. Hopefully, hopefully you can do that even though it's the sponsor's document, they own it. Uh, but ultimately if, if you can get it clear enough to where everybody understands the vision, the roles and the outcome. And I think, I think you really got something. Moving over to planning. All right. that This is the part that nobody wants to do, right? <laughs> this, this is the, this is the grunt work, the pick and shovel stuff. You know, let's talk a little bit about planning. What's some of the first things you do for planning?
1: Well, first of all, you know, the project planning is the how that the project is going to be completed. Okay, so that that's what you got to do. This is when project managers are under the most pressure because of the fact that everyone is anxious to get started and start executing. However, you're the person that's going to be accountable for the successful planning and execution of this project. So you've got to to, uh, very expeditiously, but very thoroughly go through the planning stages and, and the planning processes to make sure that you have a good scope management plan and a cost management plan and a schedule management plan and a stakeholder management plan and a requirements management plan. All these plans that are essential to for a successful project uh, has to be accomplished. You've got to estimate the amount of resources you need. You, you've you got to, you know, from both, both physical resources and human resources and equipment resources and, and logistics. Um, and, and you put all, you develop all these things. And then your big, the big output of the project planning process stage is the project management plan. And then before you hit the start button at that point, then you still need to get approval of your project management plan. You want to get all your senior management stakeholders to take the time to review the project management plan. You need to go over it with them either individually or in a small group. You need to make sure all their questions are answered and that they agree that this is the approach they want to take to executing this project. They think it's, it's viable. Uh, They think that it's, it's thorough and they're confident that you can go execute this project now. And by using the how that you have developed now, and now you're ready to, once they approve your project management plan, then it's time to go on to the next phase. And once again, that, stakeholders meeting where you get that approval of your project management plan is your milestone that signifies completion of the planning process.
0: Yeah. Wow. I don't, I don't have a whole lot to add to that. And I think that was really good. I mean, ultimately you are sitting down with SMEs, I guess I'll go into the, the how a little bit is, you know, you don't want to do this in a vacuum by yourself, right? You want to get your SMEs involved, the people who are going to do the work, like okay what do we need to do let's break this down in like a wbs um and then let's sequence some of these tasks like what has to be done first what what what's a dependency and when i say that is you know if you're going to pour concrete you have to wait for cure time that's that's a dependency before i can begin to frame a house or something um then think about you know like you said you've already brought up the procurement um allocating the resources getting getting you know getting everybody on board and when you need them. So in my opinion, it's a lot of the schedule stuff. But then um, as you get the approval, it's almost like the new code, right? You want all the stakeholders to turn the key at the same time so that we can execute because in their mind, we're already at a go, right? They signed the charter. Hey, this is a go. Uh-uh, not yet. Let's, right. let's get everybody's approval before we launch. That way, everybody's in agreement you told me what you need. Now, this is how we're going to do it. Is this viable? Are we good with that? Um, so really good explanation, Max.
1: And and yes, and I just want to reiterate what you said about the stakeholders. You have to keep educating them and keep putting it forward to them that that we, are, we have five phases to this project. Okay. We've initiated the project. Now we are in the planning process. When we complete this, we'll go into execution. And while we're executing, we'll be monitoring and controlling and then we have to close out the project and you have to keep, you know saying that over and over and over again to get everyone in the organization educated to, okay, this is how we do projects. Yeah right? and, and it's not that that we're just doing work. okay, yes, doing the work is the fun part of the project. Okay, but it's not the only part of the project. The planning, planning, and that's why I always try to use the term planning and executing because you, you know, trying to execute something without a plan is dangerous. You know, planning something and never getting an execution phase is frustrating. So you need to plan and execute, plan and execute.
0: I like that I like that between uh dangerous and frustration right you, you, I and I was telling somebody yesterday um I was like man as a project manager you're living in chaos like you basically are the the central sounding board for the the project and you deal with a lot of chaos danger frustration people want to go other people don't want to move so you're kind of at this like you're kind of you're always just in this rotating um I don't carousel of of chaos and, and and things trying to be done, and I would almost say that one of the best parts, or at least one of the most relieving parts, is when all this the worker bees go out and start working. Like yeah. then it's like, oh, this is a the easy.
1: Calm, a calmness falls over the team.
0: Yeah, because yeah.
1: everyone's busy. No one's got time to talk anymore other, about things other than work. Everyone, all the communicating that's going on is about work. It's no longer about, you know, who's going to the Super Bowl and, and you know, who's playing on Monday night football or who's going to be the MVP. And, you know, th- those conversations occur frequently, but typically during a an execution of a project that was well-planned and organized with a high-performing team that has collaborated together and and has built this sense of self-worth because they feel like they have, have actually contributed to this project that they are actively involved in. And now, boom, they get to go and execute what they've been talking about and planning for weeks or months now, and now it's action time. And this is, this is the fun part of a project. This is the part of the project that that everyone enjoys is typically yeah. the, the executing stage of a project.
0: Right on, right on. I agree 100%. And then as you begin to execute simultaneously and immediately, you have to begin monitoring and controlling that because when one task is done, even if it's the first task, you've got to know, did that task achieve the outcome it was supposed to do? So and, you're always tracking.
1: And and that is where you prove your worth as a good project manager. When once the once the flurry of activity starts and the the team members are executing the project and executing their task and producing the deliverables, that's when you step in. Uh, and, and that's what this is what I always call the business part of the project. And this is where the project manager has to do his part to make sure that business value is is created and delivered to the satisfied customer. And you you do that by by tracking the progress uh, against the project plan and monitoring uh, all the work activities and constantly collecting and analyzing data uh, talking to your project team members, talking to the stakeholders, uh, the communication that goes on is is vital and critical, and at a high level at this time because just from and by a high level, I mean the the quantity of communication that has to take place because you have so many things going uh, and and you've got to do all of them well and along comes change that you have to deal with and manage with. And then you got to make sure that the quality is being provided and built into the project and that the deliverables that are being produced meet the requirements of quality and stuff like that. So, so it's truly, you know, the business part of the project from a project manager standpoint. And this is where you really, uh, demonstrate your value to the organization and to the project team by how well you control this chaos that, yes, exists and is going to exist. And but but you can you bring order to chaos and that you prove your value as a project manager. And one of the greatest opportunities you can ever hope for is to enter an organization that has struggled for years and years and years with the chaos of projects. And you walk in and through your abilities and your talents and your knowledge and your experience as a project manager, you're able to bring a semblance of order to all this chaos. Uh, both the worker bees on the project team standpoint are going to be impressed and be thankful to have you there. And upper management is going to be thankful that you're there also, and you are going to be rewarded uh, come bonus time and come salary negotiation time because of the value that you've added to the organization, and it's so evident during this 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 time frame. Yeah.
0: yeah, I can't agree more. I think the the two biggest times that a project manager earns their their paycheck and bonuses, like you say, is during the planning, and then controlling. Right. That is that. Those are the two key things because you, a, a project well planned has less to control, but it, if nothing survives contact with the enemy, right? So it, everything is going to require some kind of change and how you employ those changes is so impactful. Like you've got to look at the second and third order effects of a change. Somebody has a great idea. Like you said earlier, you can't just implement it because it could cataclysmically turn your project into more chaotic. Uh-huh. And it may not produce go back to the original, right? The initiation, It may not produce the intended deliverable that we were supposed to. And then now you've got upset stakeholders and that's how you get yourself fired real
1: quick. Exactly. Yeah. And let me add one final thing to, to, to really demonstrate your worth as a project manager. Uh, and it it takes time to develop the ability to do this, but the ability to forecast is, is the thing that will set you apart, will make you the superstar of project managers because anybody can uh, analyze and report through a re- looking in a rearview mirror what has happened and where we're at to date. But where the true business value is added, especially to the senior management, is for you to be able to forecast where we're going with this project. What is gonna be the cost at completion? What is the estimate to complete? I know we've got a budget and I know we've got a schedule, but the reality is we're not gonna meet those numbers. We're not gonna meet that schedule, but, but based on our performance to date and based on these corrective actions that we've taken to improve our performance, we're now at this state and I can accurately and confidently forecast that we will be done on this date for this amount of money. And that's what will really separate you in the project management world from all of the other project managers, is the, because because in my experience, 95% of the project managers I ever worked with, they were all able to report what had happened, but a very minimal number are able to actually forecast, how to, where the number is gonna be, where you're actually gonna wind up. And that that ability to do that requires experience. It requires you to be a subject matter expert in what the project is undertaking and what you're doing. It, it, it requires you to be cognizant of the environmental effects on your project, both internally and external to the, to the enterprise or the organization you're in. You've gotta know what all the requirements are left to be accomplished. Uh, And so it's a huge body of knowledge that you have to obtain and you're not gonna get it overnight. But it is a goal that, that I always stress for all junior or young project managers or people just entering into the profession of project management you want to, the goal you want to work toward is to be able to be a, a an effective servant leader type project manager that can forecast what the final outcome of the project will be. And that will produce so much value and will be such a reward for you that, that that's the, in my opinion, is the ultimate goal. Wow.
0: Yeah. Take notes, all you listeners. I think that's that's incredible advice. And it, and it does, I think it really does set you apart is it just kind of makes me think of like the essential elements of information, right. Mm-hmm. Back to where, you know, uh, you know, World War II, they found the the little buttons that were manufactured for the Nazis uh, coats and then they found, okay, they're manufactured here. Well, where's the shipment going to next? Mm-hmm. Right? Just, just the ability for someone to see where the button's going next, maybe where the Nazis are going to, Choose their next offensive, right? So then, now we can send allied troops that direction. So being, I guess I liken that to as a project manager, you're going to create that spidey sense of, hey, I see something happening that is going to turn into this forecast. We're going to be ahead of time. We're going to have too many materials on site. We're going to have, uh, you know, a lack of, you know, manpower at. This activity or, you know, just all those little things that you just talked about as you begin to develop them. And I think our veteran project managers will develop that very quickly because you'll have that sense of attention to detail. Like something happens. That's not on my plan. What's the impact? Uh, Let me think three, four days ahead of time, maybe three, four months ahead of time, depending on the length of the project. And then what is the impact of that? Let's make a decision now before it happens. That's where you can, that's an opportunity, right? That's where you can save the company time, money, resources, affect the quality, and then the stakeholder engagement.
1: Exactly. And that's why I personally think that that veterans that become project managers, they have such a leg up because all the soft skills, the leadership skills that now are being highlighted as so important. You already know that you don't have to learn how to be a good leader. You don't have to learn how to be a good communicator. You don't have to learn how to be a good planner. You know, all that stuff. The only thing you have to learn is the business that you're in, the the organization that you're placed in, that you get a job in and you need to spend an extraordinary amount of time Learning what that business does, what that industry does, where does this business fit in this industry, and and how can I bring value to this organization within this industry? Those, that that's the that's and you can. The good news is you can focus on that because you don't have to worry about. How do I become, how do I develop emotional intelligence? And how do I learn to lead people? And how do I, you know, I've got to go to, you don't have to go to Toastmasters to learn how to stand up in front of a group of people and make a, a you know, a five minute presentation, you know, extemporaneously. You know how to do that because you, you've done it at quarters every morning, you know, and so you, those, just those skill sets. That veterans bring to the table give them a huge leg up in the project management profession.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. All right, on to the next uh, process, and probably the the least favorite, uh, in my opinion, of or the least done. I shouldn't say the least favorite; the least accomplished out of like five hundred projects. It, it seems like we maybe have closed three or four of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, project closure. You know, and arguably one of the more important for the organization as a from a historical look gets done like the least. Is that your experience as well?
1: Exactly. And the closing of the project, especially when you're in a project driven organization, it's so difficult because the deliverables have been produced. They've been delivered to a satisfied customer. The work is done. Everyone thinks, and there are and there and there are other projects in the pipeline ready to initiate and get started. So everyone's ready to go to the to the next thing. However, there, there there's a lot of unfinished business. All these lessons learned need to be accumulated uh, and added to the lessons learned register. And before they're placed in the repository, there needs to be a meeting, a closeout meeting where you sit down and re go over these lessons learned. You want to get as many project team members as you can into this meeting, not just your project team, but the other project teams within the organization. You want to get as many upper level management and senior management managers as you can into this closeout meeting where you go over these lessons learned so that to to educate them about what's been been done and what's been accomplished To within the organization to benefit the organization as it goes forward. It makes the organization smarter, uh, more efficient, more effective at what they're doing. And the other thing, uh, and one of the most important issues from a leadership standpoint, is the closeout of the project celebration. And there needs to be some type of a milestone event the celebration of the conclusion and the closeout of the project. You can do it at the same time as the closeout conference that you're having, or whatever. But, but there, your project team members uh, need to be uh, identified and and they need to be rewarded. Uh, it's the time to give out, uh, uh, you know, accolades for the performance of these guys and, and to let everyone else see that, Hey, you know, if you're on this project team and you perform well, you get rewarded and you get recognized and, and you gain this. So it's very important uh, to, to your, for your project team members to feel appreciated and to feel and to be recognized for the performance they do. And that's where, once again, your leadership skills comes in and it's, it's second nature. You know, we, uh, whether it's uh, you know, the victory cigar at the end of a completed mission or, you know, a uh, cracking open uh, a high dollar bottle of booze or going out to dinner or, you know, whatever it is, get together with, you know, snacks and uh, go to a picnic down at the lake or something. But, but, but there needs to be a milestone event that concludes and closes out each project.
0: Uh, great technique, and and so so lost on so many. And what you're not realizing is if you don't do that, uh, especially in a project environment or in projectized matrix style uh, structure, is you're not, uh, you know, invigorating the team for the next project. Right? Exactly. It's like that reward, that carrot at the end of the stick. Finally, the donkey gets to eat the carrot, and th- I think that's important.
1: And, and especially, you mentioned the matrix organization. Uh, it, it's very important to get your projects, what I call project staff members, the guys from the planning department, that they put together your schedule. They update your progress. They, they do, and they're doing that for all the projects. And they do that every day. And it's just groundhog day for them over and over and over again. So invite them to a celebration, you know, give them a piece of cake, give them a drink, you know, and. And and acknowledge their contribution to the project. The same way with the guys from the supply department who who executed your procurements for you and got everything on time, or, you know, and and the shipping department who who once you completed all these deliveries, they packaged everything up and and took care of the logistics to get it delivered to the to the customer. And you know, there's so there's there's a lot of, of individuals that have participated in the project, make sure they all get an opportunity to celebrate in the success of the project.
0: Yeah. Great. Yeah. I love it. It's an organizational celebration, not just a project team celebration.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, Yeah.
0: So to just take it for some of our military folks, you know, if we run like an example from the beginning, right. Like take a, an exercise, for example, you know, a warning order drops. All right. That's kind of like the charter. This is what we're going to evaluate you on. And, We're going to test you on this. And then you sit down, all the evaluators sit in a room and they plan, okay, how are we going to evaluate their effectiveness at X or Y? Then they go out and say, okay, exercise started, don your gas mask or whatever, you know, whatever the thing is that you're doing. That's like that execution phase. Well, now you've got somebody on a clipboard watching how fast did they put on their gas mask? That's monitoring and controlling. And then at the very end, all the assessments that have been monitored each day and every day, they sit down and they do a murder board and they say, okay, you did this great. This is your grade. You did this one, not so great. It's marginal. Let's get a better grade on that one next time. Here's some corrective actions we recommend. You know, But ultimately, you see this in every almost everything that you're doing in the military. You're seeing these things happen. You just don't talk about them in the ways that we talk about them in project management. But if you can liken it to, like a, a simple exercise or a barbecue or something that's a small project. It'll help you realize what you're doing each day and how they attach to these different processes within project management as a professional level. Yes, it may be smaller, but you know ultimately you can extrapolate all that knowledge and apply it just in a larger method.
1: And you can see the benefit to the organization. You can see the organization improve and the organization grow and get better at their mission and how they do things. So, yeah. and, that, and yes, and it's, it, it's it's. I guess the easiest way to do it is when you go away for a long period of time and you come back and look at something that, that how see how things have changed. I went in uh, November of 2021. On the eighth day of November was my 45th anniversary of graduating from Paris Island from Marine Corps boot camp. And so I got in my truck and I drove up there, drove onto Paris Island, drove around the base. Nothing had changed. I went 40, I hadn't been there in 45 years. I found the barracks that that I resided in as a recruit. It's still First Battalion recruit training regiment. It's still Company B. You know, they're they're still. The only difference is, my platoon was 183. Now they're up into four digits. But okay. uh, but the other thing I noticed that was astonishing to me, they had all these Marine recruits uh, platoons out on the grinder, putting them through. You know, they were drilling, they were marching, they were doing all this. But the only thing that that I had no recollection of, and I don't think existed then, that exists today, is there was this huge cadre of drill instructors that were out there with clipboards, watching and observing and monitoring and controlling and recording what was going on. And they weren't uh, observing the Marine recruits. They were observing the drill instructors. They They were trying to gather data on how effective these drill instructors were at getting these 65, 70 young men to all march in step together. They all go through their manual of arms to do so, and, and that immediately registered to me as process improvement within an organization that is interested you know the Marine Corps figured out in 19 in, in World War II how to make Marines, and that's how they make them today. There's not a whole lot of changes, but there's still continuous improvements going. On. And I was, I was glad to see that, that, but they, and they, they're focused on improving the process.
0: So. Yeah. Yeah. Too true. Yeah. Wow. That's great. And then, uh, what, what a nostalgic thing to go back and see, you know, uh, I did the same thing. So I went to uh, San Antonio, not too, too long ago and yep. pretty much the same stuff
1: makes you feel like a real old man though. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, but it was very encouraging. The, uh, yeah. uh, yeah, so America may not be in such bad hands.
0: That's, That's right. Yeah, no, no doubt. I agree. Uh, get your boots on the ground. Uh, I will also say, okay, as we move from processes, let's talk about components, right? Distinguishing the difference between various project components is kind of what we're going to move on to next. And, and how they contribute to the execution of the project. So it kind of sticks within there. We're going to talk about deliverables, milestone, tasks, work packages, and phases. Uh, deliverable, you know, ultimately it's what you're producing, right? I mean, where do you want to go with that?
1: Exactly. Well, it's the purpose of the project is the deliverable. So it needs to be something specific, measurable, verifiable that, yes, we've done this, we've created this and to the, to the quality level that was specified.
0: Yeah, I agree. And then if you take like, you know, Doc Wright, you know, he'll, he'll talk about it as the, the project is like the box, right. That you, that you buy. And then the ring is on the inside, right. So that's the deliverable, that's the product. Mm -hmm. But the box and the bow and the wrapping paper and the hinge and everything, it's the how you do it. And then this is like the what you're producing. So deliverable versus project, it's that tangible or intangible product service or result, right? Uh, Yeah, I think enough said there, really. And then move on to, you've already mentioned it a couple of times, milestones, right? Significant points.
1: Milestones are important. Milestones are the flag you put in the ground that, hey, we're we're to this point, we've accomplished this. It's also the, the point for senior management to use to make, it's a decision point. You know, based on our plan, uh, this is how much we intended to spend to get to this point. This is how long we intended to to take to get here. Now, the reality is this is what we've spent. This is how much time has been used. Do we really want to continue on with this it, you know, or have have some kind of environmental changes taken place that we really don't need to do this anymore? Or based on the speed we're doing accomplishing this and the cost that we're uh, contributing to it, maybe it's not worth it anymore. So so, yes, milestones are, are, are very important and and they're a measure of progress that senior management typically uses, they're gonna, they're not gonna look at your, your Microsoft project schedule presentation. They're probably not even gonna look at your Gantt chart, you know, to show you, but they will look at a milestone chart. That's what they they want to know, did you meet this milestone on this day? Yes. Are you do you, are you confident you will meet the next milestone on that day? Yes. So so that's that's the the thing about about milestones.
0: Yeah, I, I, I think that's great. I mean, ultimately, it, my favorite part of what you said is, is for the, it's really for the stakeholders in, in a lot of sense is, as far as the communication. So you're communicating the progress of the project and you're giving them for a term that's used in aviation, a reference datum, right? Exactly. A, a place that you can reference and say, we've got this much further to go and we've come this far. Like it's it's an amazing tool for communication because you can say, "Boss, we've made it this far. We've got this far to go. Are we on schedule? Back to your forecasting. Are we going to make it in the budget, or are we not? Are we going to make it on the timeline, or are we not? Uh, We've been successful. We're three out of seven phases. You know, I mean, it's it's just it's an amazingly powerful tool. It doesn't consume time on a schedule per se but it's still a reference point
1: right there is no there's no no time a milestone doesn't consume any time uh but and it's also good for the project team members too it gives, it gives them something to work forward to 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 you know that especially if you're working on a project that's two or three years long i mean you know, trying to think of you know to get to the end of the project is just too much they can for them to comprehend but establish these really significant milestones and then, and celebrate. We, uh, I, that, w- that was one of the, my uh, uh, fondest memories of working for BP was there. They are extremely focused on milestone celebrations. And they, cause they think that's important for their personnel, for their morale and and their uh, continued employment and everything. So, it, so milestones are very important. They're, they're a simple way to mark progress.
0: Uh, I agree. I agree. All right, moving to tasks. So specific activities and actions that we have to do. A lot of times they show up on a WBS or they show up on a uh, task list, which you build during your schedule. uh, And then you overlay it with uh, either on a Gantt chart or, you know, a to-do list, a checklist. I mean, you can do it a bunch of different ways. But, you know, give me a good example of like what you think a task
1: well, a task is, you know, used and from the project lingo, it's it's the things that you have to do and you need to break it down to the level that is significant to the project, that matters to the project. To use an example of building a shed, okay, you can, if, if it's a small shed that you're going to, it's only going to take you two days to do the thing, you can just say, okay, frame up the outer walls, that's the task, but if, it's, uh, if you're building a, uh, 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 an elaborate shed or something that costs a lot of money, maybe you want to talk about, take that task of framing up the outer wall into procure the lumber and then have it delivered to the site uh, and then measure the lumber and make the cuts and, you know, erect each wall. So, it, you know, it, you, you break down the task to the level that is necessary for the project, and but you know, tasks are just items that have to be done, and the more complex the the thing is, probably the more breakdown you need to do to it. But you know, if it's something as simple as is, hey, I need you to go to the hardware store and get five bags of ready mix. You know, that's fine. If it's someone that's, uh, if it's a, if you're new to the country. Then you may need to tell them, hey, look, I need you to go get a taxi, tell the taxi driver here. I wrote this down on a card in the local language. This is the name of the hardware store. Go to the hardware store. And then here on another card I wrote down, this is what Ready Mix is in this language. Hand it to someone wearing a blue cap because they're the, the supply guys. And then package that you know pay for this and here's the money that you use to to pay for it with and then get back in the taxi and return to the project site yeah. and that's right. that that is how you have to break down the same to t- or just tell the guy hey hop in a truck go to home depot go get five bags of ready uh sack yeah
0: there you go um,
1: same same project but different context.
0: Yeah, and I like it. You brought up a couple of good points is uh de- decomposition, right? You take a bigger task, decompose it into smaller things and what you want to do. And I w- I would say that, you know, a way for you to identify this maybe on a test or something. A task is typically some kind of a verb. Build the wall. Yep. Procure concrete. Uh, you know, test this. Uh, uh Propose that, right? So it's some kind of action. It's a it's an action word, action verb, right? Yes. Whereas now let's move to work packages. Those are typically nouns. Exactly. The the floor, the wall. Why? Because they're a several tasks put together. You know. And where do you typically see work packages on your WBS? Right.
1: Exactly. And and then work packages in conjunction with planning packages, but they're still I I personally don't agree with that because a planning package is a work package. It's just done by a guy sitting behind a desk, where a work package is done with a guy wearing a tool apron usually or you know are getting his his tools come out of a toolbox whereas a planner his tools are in a computer. But it's still work has to be done, there's still tasks. So, but yes, and then you combine the task you know, multiple tasks combined together become work packages, and then you execute the work packages to produce the deliverables. So, they all build on each other. So,
0: yeah, that's perfect. Yeah. So, it's just a way of, it's a way of segmenting what needs to be done, right? Break it down to the smallest level for the task and the smallest level on your WBS would be a work package. Uh, And you've taken a couple of tasks and you put them together and they're They're to create some sort of value, some sort of deliverable, some sort of, and as we move to phase, right? Some sort of, it could be to create a phase or to finish a phase or to be part of a phase. So the project has phases, distinct stages or periods within the life cycle. So where do we land on phases?
1: Well, phasing, you know, the the easiest way I think to to describe and talk about phases is use your Mach 1 motto construction project, okay, you know, you know, the standard construction project or construction project uh, contract documents. It starts out, section one is clearing and grubbing, you know, that's where you prepare the ground. Then the next section is foundations. You go in, excavate, Pour concrete, you know. Put uh, construct rebar cages. Put them in the forms. Pour the concrete around, you know. And then the next is the structure, you know, whether it's a wood frame or a metal frame building. And then you you go in into roofing systems, and then you get into your electrical and plumbing systems. And so each one of those is a phase. Uh, can be identified, uh, be um, uh, categorized as a phase of the project, or you can. Step back from a planet, you can you can look at the phases of construction a building. First phase is the design phase. The second phase is the construction phase. The third phase is the turnover to the customer, maybe training on if it's a if it's a facility like an, an aircraft maintenance hangar, for example. You know, you're not gonna just, you don't just build typically the, the contractor doesn't just build the building and and walk away from it when it's complete. There is a transition period where the owners of the building, the the squadron that's going to be utilizing that, that, that hangar. They're going to be walked around the facility. They're going to be shown how the fire protection system works, how the fire alarm system works. How the where the electrical system, the panels, how what how, how the is set up, how you can control each bay, how the water system is set up, you know, your whether your potable water system or your firefighting water system, all those things are set up, and and so that is a phase that you go through to get so that the the building is fit for purpose. It can it can now service aircraft in this building because it the building is complete and we have a trained cadre of individuals that can maintain aircraft within this building. Yeah.
0: Oh, wow. Well said. Yeah. And I, I agree hundred percent. And it, it's, a, it's another way to, you know, group things together and say, Hey, we've done, we've done this portion, this, this uh, like you say, phase, you know, maybe it's design, maybe it's procurement, maybe it's, you know, like you said, warranty, you know, exactly. it's another, another portion of it. And and I think it's important to note that they're all connected, right? They're, exactly the deliverable, the milestones, the tasks, the work packages, the phases, they all feed off of each other because you assign the deliverable. We're going to deliver the hanger. Okay, great. Let's talk about some milestones. When will we know? Well, when we've procured all the material or we've solidified the architect's plans, that's a milestone, right? Let's celebrate that. (laughs) And that can also be a task, right? I want you to go get government approval. I want you to design it. And then I want to commission the uh, designs, and those three tasks becomes the work package, architect plans. Okay, exactly. perfect. <laughs> so they all kind of work together to produce the project. Uh, it, you know, just dis- disparately, but together.
1: Exactly.
0: Yeah. Wow. So we've covered quite a bit uh, today, and as we just as we just kind of finish it up, we've we've really covered you know different organizational structures. We've covered a lot of the processes. We've covered a lot of the components. I'd say we hit a lot of the meat as a project manager. If you knew this stuff pretty well, uh, you're off to a really good start. Any parting shots?
1: I think this is all foundational information, and uh, and you you build a strong foundation, and then you don't have to worry about your structure later on. And uh, so, yeah, I think uh, I think we we this was a a broad brush approach to planning and executing projects.
0: We hope you enjoyed this episode of the PM Pathfinder series and want to join the profession, certify, or maintain your PDUs by visiting vets2pm.com and looking up Project Manager Essential Toolbox or a Bootcamp.